This week's episode is brought to you by... at night. Now that the Mean Boys podcast is dead, these beginning of the episode gags are ours. All ours. I'm Atlas. I'm Matt. I'm Rupier. Yeah, so I co-opted the opening joke thing from Mean Boys, like, how long ago How long ago did I start doing that? Like a year? Year and a half? At least, yeah. Yeah. So, Mean Boys podcast was run by uh, Connor McSpadden, uh, Keith Carey, and Tom Goss, who all now write for david spade show on comedy central i forgot and, that guy existed yeah no he's got a show on comedy central and they uh they write for it now and they had to stop doing their podcast like i think about a month ago and uh yeah so rap mean boys podcast i can only hope that the you know opening joke is as good as they'll be one day which we know it won't but uh yeah R.I.P. to a giant of podcasting, at least in, in our world, over here on Nexus at Night. Um, but yeah, today, we're talking about juggling two or more trading card games. As I Dude. shuffle a not-magic deck and not-vanguard deck. What are you shuffling? I'm shuffling a Weiss deck. Oh, I you said you were getting back into, into it, right? Yeah, I've bought into a new uh, one of the Weiss sets coming out in March, called okay. The Fruit of Grisaille. What brought you back in? Uh, uh, I, I like this particular uh, visual novel series a lot. And I was like, ooh, I need that. Also, Weiss is pretty fun. It's not a bad way to be. I mean, like, to get back into it because of a certain aesthetic or, you know, play yeah. style. Well, it, it helps that, like, all of the Weiss sets are, like, based off, like, anime series. But we all, we, I mean, we are aware that anime sucks and it's for nerds, but... Uh, <laughs> In Latin <laughs> above see, the doors, yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah I, I do enjoy this particular series like i i had monogatari uh prior and because uh, i enjoy that series but mm-hmm. so i only really get sets that i actually like the series for or you know the the source material i guess but yeah so that that's kind of what got me back into it right on also well, the be... ice just has cool stuff going on i don't know i, n- I never quite like the card art where it's just like the snapshots of anime they're getting slightly better about that as they now move that to buddy fight. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I I never was a fan of buddy fight anyway, but that's for that's its own gripes. But the reason I wanted to bring this up is we are you know unequivocally a Vanguard podcast. That's why you're here. That's why you listen to us. But it dawned on us that not a small number of people who play Vanguard out there also play other trading card games. Myself and Matt included. And Rubier, you too, or no, no. I at one point, at one time, played four card games. Wow, <laughs> that sounds awful. It was a lot. What were they? Uh, Vanguard, Weiss, Magic, and Pokemon. How competitively were you, like, into those four games during that time when it was all four? Magic, pretty, pretty heavily. Pokemon, I played in a couple tournaments. And then I sold out because, and then they banned the card that that I was. Then they banned one of the cards I was playing. I, I was playing a. Right, so yeah. I was playing Yavelt, uh, Maxi's Yveltal when it was in standard. Hmm. And then I, I built it in premium or expanded, sorry, and was playing it there with the Archeops that got banned. It's, that basically says like if it's a fight, it's a fighting type that says if it's on your bench, Pokemon players can't evolve Pokemon. 
But with Maxi's yeah. hidden ball trick, you could just shove it into play on turn one, which was really lame and stupid. So I was playing that, and they banned that card. But I had already sold out by then. Well, that's unfortunate. Uh, but it was really fun. Uh, Pokemon had a lot of stuff going on. It felt like everyone's playing like Storm and Magic, where you just kind of like draw a bunch of cards on your first turn and just go off. I enjoy that. But it's less like that now, so I'm less interested. <laughs> Vanguard was when I was playing with you all. So yeah, that that was mm -hmm. uh, back at UCR. Yep. So you know we were still going to like regionals when we could and stuff. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Weiss, I played pretty much every time, every, like every weekend. Mm -hmm. So fair bit. Like, why don't we just let's start with the first question on everyone's minds: money. Um, TCGs are expensive. Yeah, they uh, are. Yeah, I, I think t in order to like juggle two or more TCGs at a time, you have to quit caring about rarity. Um, because I know that's there are those. What? That's generally true. Yeah, like for in a game like this where you have you know super cool printings of uh, you know high rarity cards that people will, like, get the play set of so that they can be like, check that shit out on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, or just at locals. You Unless you're someone who's famous like Solemn Vanguard, who I assume that gets gifted to him, or he makes enough money from his channel, which that's a possibility, or uh, you're just rich to begin with. It's not something that I have been able to keep up. Like, I, I tried... At the beginning of VR, I had to be like, all right, I'm going to get the SVR for whatever plans I'm playing. And it's like, holy shit. With how fast cards are becoming power creeped in V-Series, it's just, you can't, the center will not hold. <laughs> and it was just so annoying to be like, all right, I got the SVR bass cards, and up, oh, I don't I don't have to play them anymore. Yeah. Awkward. Yeah, I don't really get how, like, I think that's one big problem I have with, like, some high-rarity stuff. Like, I, I think a lot of high-rarity stuff's, like, pretty cool. It looks nice, but yeah. I hate it. Mm -hmm. I hate it when it just becomes, like, completely irrelevant. I, I feel know. like it's easier... Okay, so, Van, because Vanguard is split into clans, when you when the clan, when the clan gets power creep, there's only one direction to go. Whereas, like, I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh! from 2008 to 2012. So, like, Teledad format to Insectors, that's where I was. And you could get high-rarity copies of stuff that would last you for literally years because mm -hmm. staples in that game can fit pretty much anywhere for a long time. Like, you could get a Ghost Rare, you know, Black Rose Dragon, which I had, I missed that card, uh, that, would, that was useful for literally the entire time that I played the game for. And yet, yeah. in mm -hmm. Vanguard, my SVR Bass card went out of style after, what, six months? <laughs> If that, yeah, yeah, and it's just, it's hard to justify that. I don't know. Also, Vanguard, Vanguard, like high rarity is like at least in V has been a little less than like most high rarity shit. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. true. They look so it's nice not been too. like as bad, but it still feels pretty bad when they're just unplayable. So with money, you're like, all right, trying to juggle this game, and then you're like, I want to play a second TCG because I'm insane. Um, it seems like the only reason that I decided to get back into Yu-Gi-Oh, and this alongside Matt telling me he's getting back into Weiss, that sparked this episode idea in the first place, is because my stupid friends, shout out to everybody, love you, uh, 
are every time we get together recently because standard vanguard has been so boring everyone's just been bringing their Yu-Gi-Oh decks with them and i'm sick of sitting off to the side being like can we play vanguard now like that was the reason i got back into it was i got peer pressured by my group of friends unintentionally Hmm. GG. Yeah. That is how people fall into other card games for the most part. Well, where you get peer pressure yeah. by your friends. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I got like into Vanguard. Of... Yeah. It's like, hey, you should play this game. And then... Actually, I'm pretty sure that's what happened to me, too, after high school. <laughs> yeah. You just get, like, shoved into it, and you're like, well, here I am. <laughs> I mean, just happen to have a semi-successful podcast off of it now. Yep. Yeah, right. And, but right. I think what helped me out a lot, too, is I was playing Modern and Magic, and mm-hmm. I already had, like, the deck I was playing, and you don't need to change the decks very much in Modern, as long as your deck's, like, above, like, a certain level. So I just didn't need to buy Modern cards that often. Well, that's good. So I was so Magic was kind of a free roll, since I already had the cards. Mm-hmm. And I just bought, like, the white sets I actually gave a shit about. And then Vanguard is like, you know, play whatever. Yeah. Update your your deck every, like, two or three months. Yeah. But, so it, it wasn't as bad, like, in that context, because I wasn't playing standard or anything, which is, like, ends up being more expensive than modern, for the most part, uh, after a long period of time. So it wasn't a huge deal. And Pokemon, like, I bought a lot of high rarity shit, but I just sold it, like, pretty quickly for, like, basically the same price. Mm. Like, I sold my Jirachi, my full art Jirachi EX before they printed Tapu Lele. Yeah. So I sold my full art N after they reprinted it, but I bought it before they reprinted it. So I ended up making a lot of that. It just ended up being, like, just mostly alright. So out of curiosity, how well do cards retain value between the different games you've played? Vanguard, like, shit. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, like, action. Uh, go on. Vanguard, car- Vanguard cards age like a bucket of milk on a hot porch in August. Like, just, ugh, it does not age well at all. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, like, you get lucky and, you know, somebody decides to buy out some other card. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's pretty rare overall. And most of the time, old cards just kind of go down, down, down. Uh, yeah. Unless they're strides, in which case they're probably pretty safe. Uh, mm-hmm. But most uh, like random grade two, like old grade twos, probably just don't matter. Uh, You're better magic off, cards uh, hold up super well. Same with Yu-Gi-Oh to an extent. Like there are game wide staples that you know be like you know stuff rises and falls, but. Things like the hand traps, like the, what are they called, ghost girls? Like your mm-hmm. ash blossoms and things like that. Yeah. Those, you know, came out years ago and they're still relevant. Yeah, um, those cards are just also insane. And they're, you know, they're going to be played for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, but wise cards are weird. Um,. Wise cards usually start out, like, fairly average, and then they go up for a little bit. Then they go, like, up after a little bit because the set's out of print. Because Y sets go out of print pretty quickly. 
And if they get a reprint, things might like rise or fall again. Mm-hmm. And it also kind of depends how much of that stuff people are opening. Like, idle sets, people open just an absolute fuck ton. And so the... Because people are chasing the foils. Like the SPs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that so because people are opening a metric fuck ton of those sets, the prices of the regular cards go down. Because there's just so much of it. With, uh... What am I thinking of? Like, in... In stuff like Magic or uh, Weiss, if something gets a reprint, does the original printing that was expensive also go down, or does it mostly uh, retain its value in the new, you know, the new printing is the cheap one only? Uh, in Weiss, I guess it goes down because it's kind of like replaceable now. Mm-hmm. In Magic, uh, it depends on the art a lot of the time. If they change the art, the old printing might retain value because people want the original art. Yeah or the original border mm-hmm. or what have you. So, like, even even Lightning Bolt, which has had, like, a thousand fucking printings of Magic, uh, the old ones are still very expensive compared to the newer ones. Because people... Uh, it's, like, blingy to have it from, like, the first set it was in. Mm-hmm. So that's the, uh, that's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah, so... It, it's it, it reprinting cards in Magic doesn't always drive down the price of the older versions. It certainly can, uh, but it doesn't always do that. It kind of de- depends how iconic the original art is and how how people feel about it. But like old Magic cards are like very old now, so they're kind of collector's items anyway. Gotcha. Because a lot of uh, what helps cards retain value is like playability, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. like when you have like old cards in Vanguard that remain that remain playable, like random things in G era, right? Uh, you know, like uh, what's a good example of this shit? Like the cross. Yeah. Right. Oh uh, yeah. Because you know they printed a new dote, right? Mm-hmm. So hey, wait, this card has additional playability now because they printed a new card that's called Dragonic Overlord. The end. Yeah, mm-hmm. which that's and, an interesting way to like m- make use of old cards again is just have the same name but a different effect. Right, and you know that was kind of a big deal with Legion Mates when they were print- reprinting them. Right, it's mm-hmm. like oh shit, this is another of this of this thing. Like that's why we're look like there's a new Great Dayusha, but it just doesn't matter unfortunately. Because mm-hmm. like as a Legion Mate, what does it do? <laughs> And, like, you need your Legion mate to have a crit, so it's all even, like, weirder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't do anything. But this is... But Dote was, like, you know, one of the ones that mattered, because it actually, like, combined well with uh, the Legion. Because now you have a triple re-standard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there are also random times where they just printed support strides for these ancient cards no one was playing. Oh, my God. Maelstrom. <laughs> <laughs> a good example. Yeah, that, ma- that random-ass Maelstrom stride for no reason. Yep. So just, like, trying to balance the, like, two games financially, how, how do you how do you do that personally, Matt? Uh, I pretty much always bought low rarity, like, lowest rarity shit. I didn't mm-hmm. care about foils very much. Um, mm-hmm. I tried not to hold on to things I didn't need very much. So, like, if I didn't need something, I'd just ship it. 
Oh, instead of like being like, oh, I could use this for a deck later, just fuck it. Yeah, yeah, no, I just like, no, I'll just sell it. If I need it again, I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in in Weiss, it's not too bad because you're pretty much restricted to your series. So anything yeah. outside of series, you just kind of don't give a shit about. And in Vanguard, you know, you're restricted to your clan, so anything outside of the clan, you can just maybe give a shit about depending on what deck you want to play or if you want to play multiple decks. In a Magic, there's like a lot of cards that I might have that I just don't give a shit about anymore. So cards that have gone up or whatever, so I can just get rid of them and like subsidize the uh, cost of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So it, it it helped that I had like a, lar- a fairly large Magic collection going into it. Yeah. And then I guess that's why I was asking the value question because that also kind of plays into it. If you can just buy cards and then hold on to them for a really long time, then your cost kind of goes down a bit because you're not buying new cards as much as you do in Vanguard. Yeah. What about you, Alice? What 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 do you, what do, you do occasionally on this topic? So, uh. Since getting back into Yu-Gi-Oh, I recently have just been playing absolute jank. Okay, one of my favorite things about TCGs in general is that it's the deck building part of it, which uh, which means when I get into a TCG, I kind of get all the way in to a TCG. Mm-hmm. But luckily, thanks to things like Dueling Book and uh, Dueling Nexus and... Uh, stuff like that, I can kind of satisfy my weird need for tinkering online without having to really uh, invest in it in real life, which Vanguard doesn't really have a good option for that, and no CFA doesn't count. But Yu-Gi-Oh! is pretty God's good. CFA is atrocious. Yes, it is. Um, but Yu-Gi-Oh! has pretty good tools for that, so I can satisfy that need, and also I have a jank... Uh, PK Fire deck, so that's a Burning Abyss and uh, Phantom Nice that I, deck that I can bring to games with my friends, and obviously it needs help, a lot of help. And I'll get the I'll get the cards when I get them. I'm not really in a rush to make this competitively viable, and I'm not really in a rush to like keep mm. building stuff because mm-hmm. I can play online. So I have this thing that I can use as like you know ways to hang out with my friends. And, you know, spend time with them without just being, like, sulky over there in a corner. Uh, and, yeah, I'm going to lose a lot, but it's a cheap, effective way to do it. Also, side note, Burning Abyss is based off of uh, Dante's Inferno. And had I yes. known that Burning Abyss was going to be not just competitively viable, but, like, outright useful for the better part of a decade, I would have come back to Yu-Gi-Oh!, a long time ago. I People were surprised that Dante was at three for, like, literally forever. Yeah. <laughs> like, that card was good for a, such a long time, and people were like, yeah, this... And, like, just never got hit. Because it was, generic. like, super bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, right? It was um, so weird. But, yeah, it, it's just... Because it's, you know, based on Dante's Inferno, you have, like, your Beatrice and your Virgil and stuff. Not all of them are competitively viable, but it's just that kind of, like, nerd level thing that just kind of scratches that itch for me. Mm-hmm. It excites your creative writing major. I mean, if you want to make sure, uh... 
I'm just gonna say that next time I'm horny. Uh, my creative writing. <laughs> and then my coworkers are gonna be like, "What the fuck are you talking about? Don't worry about it's it." Weird just... pen you have. Yeah. Actually, fun story from this last weekend. Uh, tangent, but fuck it. Uh, I got invited to a friend of mine to karaoke night, uh, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I love love karaoke," and I did not realize that when I got to this bar that was called Sanctuary, that it was a sex dungeon. Uh... <laughs> so you go in, you go in, there's a bar, there's a stage, people are doing karaoke, there's, you know, couches and you know stools and stuff. There are also doors to rooms where people are, like, with bondage gear and stripper poles and people in fishnets and I saw a Diana diaper and just it looked like no, okay no so, need to project. My friend was showing me around these rooms and I'm like, this looks like the room you would fight a boss in. Cause like there was one with all these platforms and stuff. I'm like, this looks like in the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword in that first dungeon. Or you go in there and it's just the the creepy vampire dude is just there waiting for you. That. <laughs> I was the most vanilla looking person there. Because everyone's like, you know, in in stuff, in gear. And I'm in the, like a t-shirt, I'm like, like in a Rush t-shirt and jeans. I look like a fucking moron. Like... <laughs> <laughs> just get me a gimp suit so I can fit in. <laughs> yeah. I felt so bad. I'm like, okay, not only did I not know this was gonna be a thing, I'm not just vanilla. I'm a, I'm aggressively vanilla. I'm vanilla extract. <laughs> Clearly not meant to be here. Meant to so be wait, here. wait, wait. Why did your friend take you to this place? Because she was like uh, karaoke. Come, come do karaoke. I was like, "Fuck yeah, I'm a, ho I'm an attention." Did she whore. know what this place was. Yes, she knew exactly what she, what it was. She just kind Wait. of lie by omission to me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she just secretly wants to tell you what she's into. No, she's already kind of told me. She, she's pretty oh, okay. straight. She's like, "I'm a sub. I enjoy bondage." I'm like, "Oh, cool." Like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> I had a great time though. We, 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 like you know, I did jerk it out by Caesars because I have no chill. And uh, they, you know, this this uh, cute girl in a white dress bought me a drink after, but I I didn't get to talk to her because she like disappeared. But yeah, I saw I saw many Are naked you sure butts. It was, it was a ghost. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, yeah, that that was a very interesting weekend. What were we talking about before this? Uh, we we're talking about playing multiple card games. You see. Yeah, I got that part, but like, what specifically? Where I brought that up? Oh, right. Uh, you were, talk <laughs> you were talking oh, about Yu-Gi-Oh and talking about Yu -Oh. Burning Abyss. Yes. Yeah. So, just Burning Abyss. I like the whole aesthetic of it, and uh, Dante and all. And just, I, I wish I had gone back to it earlier instead of now, where it kind of seems like whenever you pick up it, like you see decklist for stuff, and Burning Abyss is more of an engine than the results of the deck itself. Mm -hmm. Um, which that that's something that you don't really see much in uh, Vanguard is engines. What's tour guide at this way? What's tour tour what? guide at this at this point? Two. It's at two. Two. Yeah. It's a nice print. Free Dante. Yeah, there's a nice nice cheap printing 
that's like a common. I was like, see, that's my kind of stupid. The card's not like, you know, whatever thousands of dollars it was before. I rem- yeah, I remember when Tour Guide <laughs> first came out and people were like, Tour Guide into Sangian? All right then. Uh, oh, that's some bullshit. <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, yeah. So, uh, one thing, uh, it is pretty hard to, like, attend, like, lots of tournaments because it's pretty exhausting. Oh, yeah. That is one thing also playing lots of card games is, like, you end up playing, like, a lot of casual games. Mm. But, like, going to, like, a lot of competitive events can be really exhausting. You know, going especially you know, events at all. Especially in Magic where the competitive events are, like, multiple day things. Mm-hmm. Or, like, even if you go to, like, just like, a big one-day tournament, you know, it's, like, nine rounds. It's just super exhausting. Yeah. Because even so, for... Okay, like, mostly for regionals, you got to travel, depending where you are. Um, mm-hmm. And it's never, like... You can't just be like, oh, pop over to a regional real quick. That's a, all right, we're getting up at this time, you're sleeping over at my apartment, we're getting up and we're driving like hell... To the convention center, where you know, blah blah blah. It, yeah. It's even like qualifying for some of these is just like, okay, well, I lost in round one. Now I get to sit here for five hours while everybody else plays the game. Oh yeah, because if it's uh, if you went with your friends, you gotta wait for them to finish. Hmm. But like, I don't know if you've ever gone to a regional by yourself before. It is one of the most depressing things I've ever done. Um. I have gone to magic tournaments by myself. That's true. It I've gone to locals by myself. That's not too bad. But regionals. Yeah. Well, locals, you kind of like you kind of become known after a while, right? Like you develop a rapport with the people there. They kind of fit. You kind of figure each other out, and so as long. Since you're only seeing each other once a week, you got shit to talk about. Yeah. But, you know, when you go to, like, a big event, it's, like, the only time you're going to see most of these people ever. Mm-hmm. So, it's, like, kind of awkward. So, yeah, going to alone is pretty shit. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but, yeah. But I think, uh, one thing that's different... One thing that's like different in like uh, like Vanguard, for instance, or, there's a lot of downtime in Vanguard tournaments because the rounds are like one one game, mm-hmm. and like there's a lot of standing around waiting for them to put the next round up. In Magic tournaments, though, yeah. like you know, you're playing best of threes, hour long rounds. It is, it is that's, an adventure. That's exhausting. That sounds exhausting. Yes. Yes. So you know, if you're playing a deck that's you know maybe pretty hard but good. It does take like a lot of effort to uh, simply, you know, go through the tournament. Mm-hmm. So and that now, is like now, one big difference too. Now try doing that, and then the next week I'm being like, "All right, I'm going to do that all again." Mm-hmm. Before a different card game. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I feel like, do you ever get this where you start to, if you're either on autopilot or you're tired, when you're playing one TCG that you kind of, the the rules of another TCG kind of bleed in? Not too much. Uh, I'll just switch around what terms I use. Mm. Oh, okay. So like drop zone, graveyard, that kind of thing? Graveyard, library, deck, yeah, like all that shit just starts to get mixed up. Yeah, and you, and if you've been listening to our podcast long enough, you'll notice that 
Matt definitely does that when he's talking about shit in on the podcast here. Oh, too. I sure do. <laughs> Not that I there's anything up, wrong with that. Yeah. I bring up magic terms. I bring up freaking wise terms randomly. It's like mm-hmm. pretty bad. <laughs> no, I. This is something I can actually weigh in on because even though I don't play multiple card games, I do play multiple video games at similarish times and. Let me tell you, trying to remember key bindings between different games, and also like what what mechanics games do and don't have. Oh god! Yeah, like your muscle your muscle memory gets fucked up. You're like, yeah. Why why aren't I jumping? You're like, because you're not playing Smash Bros anymore. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Or like, my favorite. I ended up buying Modern Warfare because all of my friends were playing it and. After playing Rainbow Six Siege for so long, I've gotten used to being able to just cancel my reload by ADSing. But you can't do that in any other shooting game, so I'll like start reloading, AD- try to ADS to stop, and then my gun just won't shoot because I'm still reloading and I die. Back in Counter-Strike 1.6, you could cancel your reload by doing a quick swap. Mm. Like the two quick swaps back to your gun. It, uh, it 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 took a little bit of time, but it's faster than the if you if you were at the beginning of the reload animation. That was something else that people did. <laughs> but I don't think you can do that in any other game either. So I don't know either. Um, it's just like something that I think you should consider before getting into another TCG. Is like these are kind of the pitfalls you can fall into. Um, but ultimately. If you're going to have fun by doing it, like, I'm bored of Standard right now, then go do the thing. If you enjoy playing with your friends in the same McDonald's on the same street, whenever Friday you can, then go do it. (laughs) Yeah. Suspiciously specific, isn't it? (laughs) There's a lot of interesting (laughs) interesting card games. Like, I don't know, like... I know, I know, like I know, some people play like Dragon Ball Super, although I've never mm-hmm. been terribly interested in that game. I play like a couple games of it; it's fine, uh, just not for me. But I can see how people like it. People also really like the Dragon Ball IP, so uh, they'll they'll play pretty much whatever with Dragon Ball printed on it. But mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's a lot of neat games out there. Give them a shot. Yeah. Like, I know some people were into, uh, was it Legends of Runeterra, and I played it for, like, a day, and I'm like, I'm not into this, and I just stopped. Nothing lost. So, Nothing lost. I, was like, Nothing I really hated the... Ca- as far as, like, an online TCG or CCG goes, I really hated how the card acquisition was. How so? Uh, they wanted to remove, like... They wanted you to grind for all your cards, basically. But what that really does is it, like, just makes people play decks that are, like, known to be good rather than, like, trying to create things. I don't know. Oh, because it takes so long and you want to just... Right. Invest, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just not into the card acquisition, nor even the gameplay, really. So I just kind of was like, no, it's not for me. Which is fine, right? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. I can see why they like it. League of Legends is also, like, very, very popular. I like uh, the uh, auto chest for League of Legends, the team fight tactics. That game's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. I like watching units just match into each other. <laughs> <laughs> I 
had to learn a lot in a very like short period of time because I was like, I have no clue what's going on. <laughs> yeah. But figured it out. But yeah, so try you could like you can try games at like a pretty cheap rate. Even if you're like just borrowing a deck and asking how to play, that's literally how I learned to play wise. Somebody handed me a deck a, in Japanese, by the way, and just told me what cards do. Literally, that's pretty it. funny. I, I feel like yeah, that's easier like, because you were you know so much about TCGs. But if you're just some rando, you're like, uh, poker. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if the people who like want to get into Japanese Weiss probably have played some other TCG before. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's not true. Maybe, maybe I'm. Maybe I have like. It's just like everyone I everyone who taught me to play Weiss was in that vein. I don't know if that. Maybe that's not true anymore. But, uh. Yeah, it's just, uh, I, like, it, it, people complain, like, Japanese wife, like, memorizing card effects, but it really doesn't take that long. At least. Maybe, maybe that's just me. But. Easier said than done. Um. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> is it hard to memorize, like, 15 cards? It's certainly harder to concentrate going doing a karaoke when you can see, like, at least six butts from where you're standing. Wait, just pretend they're naked, Alice. <laughs> they are naked. What are you talking about? <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Balancing card games. We have any more? Do we have any other questions about this topic? I'm trying to think if I played any other card games. Uh, I've only helped people test competitive Yu-Gi-Oh. I've never actually played Yu-Gi-Oh at even a casual game. Really? Give a shit. I've only helped people test test for tournaments with Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, okay. So I Pepe means shit. But, but I haven't played, like, casually Yu-Gi-Oh. Last time I touched Yu-Gi-Oh was, like, around end of Synchro's start of Xyz. Do you remember Andre? Yes. Hmm? Yeah, I, I helped him test for tournaments. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So we were playing, like, dumb, dumbass mirrors and shit. And, they, and I, I actually think, like, the... Uh, high-end, like, Pendulum deck mirrors, like, pretty fun. Mm. But a lot of, uh... It was, it was a whole bunch of... It, 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 the, the format wasn't good, right? But the games were fun. That yeah. So, like, if you tried yeah. to go competitive with it, it was just, like, annoying. But in your little, yeah, like, like you know, small pond... Yeah, you just try to win the die roll and make an unbreakable board, right? Your opponent's like, can, you, can I break it? But, like, the puzzle of trying to get them to, like, be baited by shit is, like, really fun to me. Yeah, I I like that psychological aspect to it. Um, in Yu-Gi-Oh, I especially like that the game has been around so long, you start getting wacky shit, like, alright, there are these monsters that you can set as spells or traps, and if they get destroyed, they, they summon themselves. And then it's like, ah! Surprise them. All that good stuff. <laughs> We've very clearly run out of steam, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's okay though. Uh, mm-hmm. Any anything else to add before we sign off here? Uh, Weiss is cool. Weiss is cool. Yu-Gi-Oh is is freaking ridiculous, but uh, it's half nostalgia, half peer pressure for me. Yu-Gi-Oh mm-hmm. is just that you know, like people play it and you're like, well, this is kind of bullshit, and then you still play it anyway because you hate yourself, I guess, or yeah, like what else? Other are, people... What else are you gonna uh, do? Yeah, everyone else is doing. it. I feel like it's a very uh, SoCal problem, though. It's just like everyone's playing Yu-Gi-Oh, so you should play Yu-Gi-Oh. 
Everyone's <laughs> playing Yu-Gi-Oh, so you should play. I mean, not a terrible way to think about it. I guess. When I was in ten, when I lived in Tennessee, when I was like in high school and like or college and shit, like very few people played Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. Like there were like Yu-Gi-Oh events, but it wasn't as big as, as big as Magic. But SoCal Yu-Gi-Oh is like massive. Yeah. Yeah. That's that at least dense fast. Asian weeb population. <laughs> for sure. All right. I think that about does it for this episode of Nexus at Night. Guys, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Wiggums Two Gs Two Zs. Find me at Plasma Eclipse. Sometimes I will do art. Uh, you can find me at Atlas Novak on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can also find my other podcast, Bad Reading, on anywhere you get your podcasts, or find it on Twitter, Instagram at Bad Reading Pod. And then lastly, you can find this show at Nexus at Night on Twitter or Instagram. We rarely update the Instagram. Oh. Next week, February 19th, is my birthday, so there will be no episode then, um, because fuck you, I want to take a vacation, so. Are you well, are you going to be doing illegal things, Alex? Uh, I might be going Allegedly? to Allegedly? I might be going to a place called Oregon? Am Wait, I pronouncing that correctly? You can't just make up places, Alex. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm pretty sure if, like, you... you named a city that was on, like, the ocean and had a port. You would call it, like, Portland, right? That's how you do it? I don't know. Uh, Is there a bunch uh, of artisanally handcrafted things there? That that and some Nazis, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going, I'm going up there to visit a whole, an old high school friend, and we will be, be, uh, be back the following week, which is the 20... Uh, 6th, I think? Well, I'll miss you, Atlas. Aw, I'll miss you too, Matt. But, uh, yeah, until next time, (laughs) I was Atlas. I'm Matt. I'm Rebeer. And have a good night, everybody.